Well, it is great to be with you today. Um, for Christians all over the world, we are here to celebrate and to commemorate Good Friday, which kind of begins for us the most important weekend of church history in our calendar, where we wrestle with the, the, the death and the crucifixion of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we begin this, um, this Good Friday message, um, I really wanted to start with uh, a passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 5.13, where Paul says this, which is of first importance, and I'll read. For I received what I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And so today, as we reflect on Jesus' death on the cross, I would like to draw our attention to the betrayal of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I also want to show us how God in his wisdom and in his, in his plan, he works out a plan of salvation, which is really finding itself in a desperate situation. I'm going to read and begin the Garden of Gethsemane in this, this time of betrayal from John's Gospel, chapter 18, reading from verses one through to verse six. When he had finished praying, Jesus left his disciples and passed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came into the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and he asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. John's gospel starts, it begins in the Garden of Gethsemane after Jesus' prayer and it, it focuses on the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. But we will see that John's gospel really illustrates that aspect, but it misses out some other bits which the other gospels help fill in for us and there's very good reason for that. Matthew 26, 36, it begins with Jesus' trouble and his sorrowful state as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And at that time, he's hoping that his disciples, a few of them actually, would be with him and support him in this time. But they can't, they fall asleep in a really crucial time and he is wrestling with the gravity and the implication of what it will mean to go to the cross alone. He toils, he wrestles in prayer to the Father, most important time of prayer for what he is about to do. The reality of the sin and the sacrifice that he is gonna make is weighing heavily on his shoulders, but he has decided and purposed in his heart to do the will of the Father. And it's as if that torment alone wasn't enough. Judas comes along, the betrayer, with a detachment of soldiers and officials. And his disciples have effectively abandoned him. They've fallen asleep. And it was only a few hours ago that Judas himself was sat around the table with Jesus sharing in a meal. But Jesus knows what's gonna happen next. He's fully aware that Judas is his betrayer, which is why in Matthew 26, Jesus sees him come and he says to his disciples who are fast asleep, he says this, rise, let's go, here comes my betrayer. He knows it, he already knew it, and he knew exactly what Judas was up to. 
And this scene is almost like one of those scenes where, I don't know if you've ever experienced the, this situation, but you feel like a situation can't get any worse than it already is. And then there we go, it gets even worse than that. It's one of those moments because betrayal is always horrible. It's always painful. It literally means unfaithfulness, giving someone over to the enemy, the ultimate form of disloyalty. The thing is with Judas, is that for most of Jesus' ministry, he was around, he'd seen the miracles. I don't know, maybe he thought that this is a good time to make some money. Maybe it was greed that he gave him up. Or maybe it was power. He realizes that Jesus isn't the king that he thought he was gonna be. So he wasn't gonna get the type of power that maybe he had envisaged. We can speculate on the reality of why Judas did what he did, but it's clear that outwardly he would have followed Jesus and did what, did, did what he, he would have done amongst him, but actually inwardly he, he didn't really know who Jesus was. His heart was unrepentant. He hadn't been transformed and changed. He was living in rebellion to God. As I said, he's seen the miracles, he's heard the teachings, but he was into Jesus for what Jesus gave to him. He didn't love Jesus for who he actually was. And that's the challenge, isn't it? When the difficulties come, the officials and the Pharisees were starting to get disgruntled with what Jesus was doing. And all of a sudden, the call of following Jesus became a little bit less appealing. Who wanted to follow Jesus to the cross? Not Judas. But here's the thing, Jesus is more than a religious teacher. He's He's more than one who just helps us get through life. And I guess this is for us, isn't it, today? He's more than just a person that you heard maybe your parents or friends praying about, but wasn't necessarily a reality to you. To put him first and live the abundant life, we need to know who Jesus is. Otherwise, like Judas, we'll always betray him. And John, in his gospel, his self-confessed task, which he lays out in John chapter 20, 31, is this. This is John's purpose in his gospel, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's what John wants. Jesus knows the heart of Judas. So when he comes along, as John explains, with all of the officials and asks the question like, who, who are you looking for? And they, say, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth. When he replies, I am, he. What happens next? As the passage that we read tells us, the guards, the officials, they fall straight to the ground right in front of Jesus. Why is this? What's going on in this, in this scene? It seems strange that they would just fall straight to the ground, but maybe not, 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 not strange at all. What Jesus is doing here is that he's answering with his divine title. Just like Moses, as he approaches God in the burning bush, that same title is what Jesus is referencing. The same Jesus who we heard last week when Scott Marks, Scott Marks preached that Jesus is fully God and fully man, we're seeing the self-revelation of the Son of God in front of those who would try and betray him. And in the presence of the living God, everyone falls flat to their knees in humble reverence to who he is. And it just shows that maybe in the Garden of Gethsemane, they don't have power over him. But ultimately, what we see in the garden is Jesus willfully goes to the cross. He willfully sacrifices himself for the sins of man. He willfully goes to that cross for those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And so we look at this scene, some may be perplexed looking at this, thinking, why are these men falling to the ground in front of Jesus? And the question that comes to my mind is, who actually was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? It looks to be that it was Jesus, but upon reflection, it looks like the guards, the officials, and even Judas had to bow the knee before the Son of God in his majesty and his glory and his power. Or maybe you're coming to Good Friday and, and you're considering and trying to wrestle with who Jesus is in your own life. And he confesses to himself and to all of us and he's confessing to us now that he is the all-powerful son of God, able to wait, take away our sins and restore that relationship back with the Father. And for us today, and for me myself, I'm going to be asking myself this question. Will I bow my knee before the Lordship of Christ in my own life? You see, today, today is a day of reflection. And as we consider Jesus in the garden, in anguish, but still pursuing the will of the Father. And as Paul mentions, let us consider the ways that, that, that we betray Jesus. Because Jesus came to die for our own sins. And like Judas, we can believe the lie that maybe Jesus isn't enough. He doesn't offer what we really want, what we're really looking for in life. He doesn't meet our expectations, maybe. And we can take matters into our own hands and try and work things out by ourselves. And there's a number of reasons why many of us may do that. Maybe our careers haven't worked out the way that we had hoped or planned. Maybe our, our marriage isn't as smooth sailing as we first thought it was going to be. Maybe we're in, in a kind of a rat race or we're kind of dating people and it hasn't really worked out. We've met people that from a distance they look, they look good, but actually we realise that they're, they're far from good for us. Maybe our, our children aren't the perfect children that we first expected, or maybe we're unable to see the, the gift that they are to us. Maybe we're in need of healing, that we're sick and we need healing in our bodies, but that healing hasn't arrived yet. And it can often be when we've seen God work in our lives already, but we come up against challenge, against difficulty or disappointment, that we start to fall away, or turn away from God. We can abandon him, we can betray him, and try and work things out in our own way. We can get discouraged and fall into patterns of sin and rebel against God and make promises to him that we know that we're not eventually going to keep. I guess here's the reality. If we rely on our own strength, our will, our desires, our finances, even our own influence, we'll always come up short. And God's offering us an alternative. John wants to give us a glimpse into the garden of why our greatest need is the salvation that Jesus has for us, the one who is fully God, fully man and Lord over all things. As he is revealed in scripture, often our, our challenge and struggle, if we're honest, is that we can compartmentalize him. We can make promises on a Sunday that we forget to keep on a Monday. But this is the message of the gospel. In John 18, one, what do we find at the very beginning of this reading? We find Jesus in a garden. If we look back to the beginning of scripture, we see Adam, where do we find him in his moment of trial? We also find him in a garden. But Adam fails and Jesus succeeds. Like Adam, like Judas and like us, we all fall away. You reject God in so many different ways. And Paul in Romans 5 wants to help us realise and understand something that is of most importance to us. And I'll read Romans chapter 5, verses 12. And I'm going to just read verses 19 as well. 
Verse 12 reads this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, that is Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. So God knew despite our best efforts, we would come up short. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. And that's why we reflect on his crucifixion on Good Friday. That's why he had to live the life that we could never live. And that's why he had to die the death that we in our own humanity could never die. Because on that cross when he conquers death and sin, he offers us the hope that we actually need. He offers us the hope that we can't find in our own efforts. So whether you've betrayed Jesus, whether you've walked away from him, whether like Judas you have realised that he hasn't met your expectations as you've seen them, God is asking and offering us today an offer of salvation, of recommitting our hearts back to Jesus as he reveals himself in scripture, as fully God, as fully man, as fully loving and capable to take away our sins and cast them as far as the east is to the west and restore right relationship with the Father. Is that something that you want to accept or recommit your heart back to this Good Friday? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we know that in many ways we all betray you and we go our own way. But Lord, today, on this Good Friday, I pray by your Spirit you help us see the error of our ways, but the loving hand of God that is extended to us in the person of Christ Jesus. I pray that we would run to the foot of the cross and leave our burdens there and receive salvation again and again for our souls and for our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.